This morning I can come see I'm going to speak about stars and the nativity star in particular. Now Stofi preached most of my message last week, which was brilliant. But uh, so this message is quite short, a lot shorter than it would have been. But I hope that you are gleaning some encouragement and some blessing from it. So, as you can all see, and it's most obvious this morning, I'm going to talk about stars, and in particular, the nativity star. What, then, is a star? Well, the Oxford Encyclopedia tells us a star is a self-luminous gaseous body that is our own sun, and stars are formed from the dust and gas that exist in the vast spaces between them. Now the Milky Way contains some 100 billion stars, and they are often grouped into constellations. But for the most part, they are unconnected and are at greatly different, different distances. Many stars and constellations have proper names, that were given to them by ancient astronomers in bygone centuries. Orion is one, and of course we all know the cloud. Stars are at great distances from the Earth, and the nearest star to us is Proxima Centauri, which is approximately 40 million million kilometres away. That's a long, long way, isn't it? Right? <coughs> Our galaxy is a vast spiral system of stars and it is, it is so big that light takes 100,000 years or so it is said to travel from one end to the other. The brightest star is Sirius and some stars are a hundred of times larger than the sun. However, the material in them is spread so very thinly a million times thinner than the air that we breathe here on Earth. There are many different types of stars and all are at different stages of their development. Bit like us, really, you know. Right? <coughs> anyway, their colour tells a great deal about them. While ordinary small ones are red, larger ones are yellow, and even larger ones are blue. Much can be learnt about stars by studying their spectra. This is known as spectroscopy. They can be classified by their temperature and luminosity. Now I don't know about you, but when we have um, a really starry night, I always like to stand on my back door and look at them, and I spend ages looking at them. Because then I feel really close to God and I'm really more aware of his majesty. <coughs> and uh, I'm honest, it's fascinating. I just stand there for a little bit just looking at them. No matter how cold it is, I just really enjoy looking at them. Many songs have been sung about stars, from Twinkle Twinkle Little Star to Star Bell and John and Kiki Deer. And I'm going to make you a star sung by David Esther. And who for, can forget that lovely song from Walt Disney Pinocchio called When You Wish Upon a Star. Television have got in on the act with Star Trek and stars in their eyes. 
where people will go through some curtains and reappear saying, Tonight, Matthew, I'm going to be here. And they would um, look like some famous pop star and stand like some famous pop star. And some of the older people, you may remember the weekly programme, Stars on Sunday. There was Battlestar Galactica, and also movies such as the Star Wars franchise, Battle Beyond the Stars, Starship Troopers, Starman, and of course A Star is Born, which was recently remade, remade with Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper. Confectionery also gets the mention with chocolate magic stars and star bars. After a time of year, it is often a tradition also to put a star on top of the Christmas tree. Now stars are mentioned on a few occasions in the Bible, and I would like to point out that most of my scriptures have been mentioned this morning. <clears throat> in Genesis 1, it tells us that the stars were brought into being on the fourth day of creation. In number 24, verse 17, there is a prophecy that was delivered uh, by Balaam, who was sent to curse Israel. It says, I see him, but not in the present time. I perceive him, but far in the distant future. A star will rise from Jacob. A sceptre will emerge from Israel. Ironically enough, though, although Balaam was sent to curse Israel, he ended up blessing Israel seven times. Now Job was a man who really knew what testing was. We complain about our lot, don't we? Oh, my cross is hard to bear and, you know, I'm going through, through the mill. I'm no different, right? But truly our petty suffers pale in things significant in the light of this guy's problem. He lost his children, that was bad enough. He lost his wealth, he lost his home, and was even afflicted with painful sores all over his body. So terrible were the trials he went through that his own wife told him to curse God and die. Yet Job held on to his faith, declaring that when God had tried him, he would come forth as pure gold, which he indeed did. However, like any other human being, he must have had questions as to why all these awful things had happened to him. And we are not different, are we? When we go through difficult circumstances, we often ask God why. And God is so gracious because often he does answer us. But just as often, he is silent. And that is when we really have to trust him the most. He always knows best. God answered Job's question at one time saying, to quote what David read, where, where were you when I laid your foundations? Tell me if you understand who marked off his dimensions. Surely you know who stretched the measuring line across it, on what were its footing steps. Or who laid a cornerstone? While the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy. God called the angels morning stars 
and cheese that I was safe as an hour came is often referred to as the bright morning star. The glorified Saviour is clothed in majesty and power and shines even brighter than any star because God has highly exalted him, giving him the name above every other name because he was obedient in going to the cross to die for the sins of mankind. No star can ever shine as bright as he does. Daniel 12, verse 1 to 3, says, At that time, Michael, the great prince, who protects your people, will arise. There will be a time of distress such as has not happened from the beginning of nation until then. But at that time, your people, everyone whose name is found written in the book, will be delivered. Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are wise, who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens, and those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. <clears throat> I always think this speaks, to, uh, whether I'm right, I don't know, but I always think this speaks of the future um, when um, judgment is going to come upon the earth and... Um, and also, it's, I also believe it speaks of the rapture, where the multiple who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake and rise up to meet with the Lord. And I think there's a wonderful promise here, because it says that um, God will be merciful to those who na- whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Also, we as witnesses of God, and proclaimers of the gospel of Jesus Christ will shine as stars forever and ever if we lead many people to righteousness and salvation. What a wonderful promise, and it should serve, serve um, as an incentive to us to get out there and share the good news with boldness and assurance that God is with us and the power of his Holy Spirit is at work in and through us. Easier said than, and, than done, I know, but we are called to do it. In Matthew chapter 2, which um, uh, verse one, uh, 1 and 2, it tells us, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi came from the east, uh, from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the, uh, the one who has been born King of the Jews. We saw his star when it rose in the east and have come to worship him. Now Sophia very skillfully showed us much about the wise men last, last week and I for one really enjoyed it. Yet there is still so very much for, us all, or for all of us to learn about them. First of all, they must have been skilled astronomers. They obviously studied the stars and the constellations and were amazed when a new star rose in the east, telling them of a new king born king of the Jews. Now they must have been um, 
I should imagine they were quite um, familiar with the Zodiac and <coughs> different things, you know, up, up there. And they must have had a different instrument and maybe they had some for, form of telescope, I don't know. But they had the charts and everything and they would uh, study them. Now take into consideration that these wise men probably came from heathen nations where the worship of idols and other gods was the norm. Yet they had a knowledge of the God of the Jews. They were, after all, scholars, well-read, and probably like walking encyclopedias with all the knowledge that they had. And yet they were to face the biggest challenge of their life, a journey, a quest of faith, to find the Christ child king of the Jews. However, they were to discover that he was for very much more than just a baby and so much more than their preconceived assumptions. There is nothing to suggest how many wise men there were, or if they all came from the same country. Their journey must have taken weeks, if not months, of preparation. Packing provisions for the journey, maybe weapons to protect themselves, um, treasures, you know, Things, things to protect them from the weather, and much, much more. Also, what about the hazard? Heat, hunger, thirst, tiredness, the threat of raiders from other different tribes, sandstorms, snakes, scorpions, and other such things. Maybe they often took a long turn and went off course in their journey and had to retrace their path. Maybe they got discouraged and doubted whether they would ever find Jesus at all. Maybe they quarrelled or disagreed among themselves after the courses of action they had to take on their journey. One thing is apparent. They must have been, um, must have been fluent in other languages to be able to converse with King Herod and the people of Jerusalem. Now I like to believe that these wise men were discerning and they sent straight away that something wasn't quite right with King Herod. Although they may not have known exactly what it was. And maybe they expected this newborn king to be dwelling in a fabulous palace surrounded by all the lavish abundance of royalty. How surprised they must have been when the star came to rest over the place where he was born, and to find this king, king of the Jews, lying not in a beautiful cradle, but a manger, an animal feeding trough. On seeing the baby, they fell down and worshipped. And I think that's what we do in his presence, don't we? We worship. And I think when we see him, when he comes in the clouds and he takes us to glory, that's what we're going to do forever and ever. It's wonderful, isn't it? You know, just worshipping him and adoring him, showing him how much we love him for what he's done for each and every one of us. So, and the wise men were no different. I don't think anyone can come into the presence of Jesus and not worship. <coughs> anyway, after all, this was no ordinary event. 
and they had been led to him in an extraordinary way. And out of their adoration of him, gifts were presented, costly and lavish, and Jesus gave them a gift too, because this event would forever be engraved on their hearts. Even more remarkable was the fact that they must have received the same warning in a dream, uh, all of them together, not to return to King Herod. Now, they started everything. I suppose it threw all their plans into um, a bit of a tissue, really, because their journey home would have had to be rescheduled and retracted as they were journeying a different way to which they arrived. There might have been even greater danger, it might have taken longer, you know, they would have had to perhaps, um, you know, really leak out their provision, who knows? But um, either way, they returned to their land by a different route. These wild men were returning to their own land trained completely different men to the ones who first embarked on the quest to find Jesus. And what to say that they didn't share with others uh, in their lands of the wonder of finding Jesus. One thing is certain, though, I bet none of them forgot about the time that they had to follow a star. Now whoever wrote the carol, we three kings of Orient are, must have had a lovely insight into the importance of the role of the wise men in the Christmas story. In 1 Corinthians 15, verse 39 to 41, we read, All flesh is not the same. Men have one kind of flesh, animals have another and thought of birds and fish. There are also heavenly bodies and there are earthly bodies. But the splendour of the heavenly bodies is of one kind, and the splendour of the earthly bodies is of another. The sun is one kind of splendour, the moon another, and the stars another. And star differs from star in splendour. How very true that is. If we were to look up and gaze at the night sky, we would see that stars differ in their beauty and brightness. And that speaks of us, doesn't it? Each one of us here is different, but all of us have a vital part to play in God's plan for this truth, from the youngest, Eli, to the oldest, Gladys. <coughs> Nobody is too young to serve God, and nobody is too old. Now a common problem for older people, now I remember Mrs. D um, years ago, she said, oh, you know, my best days are over now. You know, I've I served God, my best days are over, there's nothing much for me to do now. I said, rubbish! I said, what about praying? What about encouraging, you know, people praying for the youth and encouraging them? I said, you were ministered by no means so fast. And <clears throat> this is a common problem for older people who spent their lives serving God. And now they're in their twilight years. They think that their best days are over. And like I said before, rubbish. The best is yet to come. Look at Moses. 
to you with a killer. And yet God used them both. Simeon and Anna was used in her old age to be a blessing and encouragement to Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus. He stands. Older people can sometimes be a spiritual mentor and a source of encouragement to the young people of the church. I would not be here today if it wasn't for the encouragement to people like Pastor Tom Lloyd and Edna, Ruth and Bob Morgan, Mrs. Drummond and Auntie Maggie Dear, Pearl and Irene and Ron, and I thank God for these people and so many others who have impacted me in so many positive ways. I would like to think that, I, um, that I'm an encouragement and blessing to the young people of this church and that my prayers for them are truly making a difference. Just this one star is greater in splendour than others, so it is to a degree with us. Some people are called to be in the forefront of ministry, while others are called to be in the background. But everyone has a time to shine. <clears throat> some of us are being fashioned into vessels for noble purposes, and some for humble purposes. <clears throat> but God uses everyone. No one is discluded. All of us have a ministry. Nobody is left out. Whether it's welcoming on the door, <clears throat> serving tea, cleaning the church, or praying for the church in our prayer closet. All are equally important. Romans chapter 12 verse 6 to 8 tells us we have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. As you can see, there is such a diversity of gifts that God has given to us, and we should not cover other people's gifts but we satisfied with our own. Now I've always wanted to be able to look at a sunset, go home, get a canvas, get paint and paint it. Right? But it's not my gift. <clears throat> While others would probably make a masterpiece of it. Also, we shouldn't be so taken up with our own talent, but learn to love and appreciate other people's gifts. After all, each one is given to bring glory to God and not to ourselves. Most importantly, we must take every opportunity to use our gifts and talent for the furtherance of God's kingdom and for the encouragement and edification of his truth. The worst thing we can do is bury our talents and not use them as God has intended us for. So remember, we too are like stars. And we should shine as brightly as we can in this dark world of sin and evil. After all, we are representatives of Jesus Christ to the lost, and people need to see him shining from our lives. Also, we need to let Jesus, the morning star, rise in our hearts 
and give him the praise and worship he is for his birth, for what he has done, for what he is doing, and he purposes to do in our hearts and lives. And I'm just going to finish by reading this little poem that I put together yesterday called Nativity Star. Look at the babe there in a stable, come young and old, just as you are. This is all true, it isn't a fable. Look up and see the Nativity Star. The shepherds to Europe and they are kneeling before the precious newborn king. They saw angels and it left them reeling, and for they came their homage to bring. The wise men arrived, bringing their treasures. Their journey was long, their quest was far. They worshipped discarding earthly pleasures. They followed the nativity star. It is a star of awe and wonder. It's a star that tells us a story. The birth of the Saviour of the world. So let's give him praise and all of the glory. Amen. Amen. Amen.